Hello and welcome to the Union Podcast. This is Bonnie. We're so glad to have you with us. Here on the Union Podcast, we do our best to have real, vulnerable conversations around sexuality and relationships and how those areas are all integrated. Uh, in these uh, coming episodes, um, we are actually wanting to focus in on the concept of family and how parenting and children um, and the value of children, how those things all tie together in God's design for a stable and a healthy culture. Uh, today, I'm so excited that I have Aaron Clark uh, in as a guest. We had this awesome conversation. I think you're going to be really encouraged. I know I was. Uh, she is a homeschooling, stay-at-home mom of three daughters a wife to somebody who is where they as a team planted a very large and growing church network here in Canada, Western Canada. Uh, you're going to I think you're going to take so much out of it. Uh, before we get started on that, I just wanted to say thank you. We had um, somebody give us a review over on Apple Podcasts about um, how how the messages of these podcasts are, are impacting them. We so appreciate every time we get feedback from you. Uh, just, you know, what stood out to you. Uh, this is what they said. There needs to be more awareness brought to the topics that the union discusses. Thank you for opening the door to meaningful conversation and shining a light onto these issues that we face as a society and culture. Man, we so appreciate that. I know that sometimes the conversations on here can be heavy ones. And so it's like, yeah, I'm going to subscribe to the union podcast and make sure that I'm you know, talking and thinking about sexuality. That might be a little bit of a daunting thought, but we do our best to be, like I said, want to be real. And we know that this is, you know, you're dealing with this, your neighbor's dealing with this, your children are dealing with this. Like um, we live in a culture where we need to have some answers and we're so grateful that the Bible um, doesn't shy away from it because I think that would be pretty dishonest and um, we need that. So, you know, if you have any thoughts or any feedback for us, we would love to hear from you. You can rate and review and subscribe for yourself to make sure you're not missing any of our podcast episodes. We're trying to release them every second Friday, getting you fresh content conversations with some really awesome people, authors, and you know people who've just um, studied this as well. So without further ado, we're going to head over into that conversation with Erin. We're going to talk about you know how her how her six year old daughters struggle with school is actually what brought them to the choice of homeschooling even before before 2020 when homeschooling became the necessity. Uh, how one of her education goals for her children is just to help them grow in critical thinking. How we need to have and hold on to a vision statement for ourselves as mothers and as a family. How we need to be on guard against jealousy and of other people's callings in order to stay at peace within our own. We talked about you know the need for to have humility as we fulfill our calling as mothers and fathers and how to have relational intentionality with your children and how that will create a safe place for them to come back to and to be able to have conversations about those big topics like sex and identity and self-worth and stuff like that. So without further ado, let's head over to that conversation with Erin. You're listening to The Union Podcast, the Union exists to bring biblical confidence and clarity to the topics of relationships and sexuality. On this podcast, we unpack the damaging effects of modern sex culture and discuss how to heal from the past and enrich your relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian and Bonnie Pugh. All right, Erin Clark, thank you for joining me here on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. 
we, uh, we're wanting, you know, we're going to have a conversation today, perhaps for those um, mothers and I would say fathers too, who may be feeling uh, a loss of vision for the role that they have, maybe discouragement, maybe some weariness. I know this has been, this year has been so unusual as a parent. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah. No blueprint for this year. Totally. Uh, and you and I, we were both homeschool mothers and yet we also, it's like this year has still been unusual. Very much so. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend the other day and she, she was like, Oh, you know, I just feel like this year I haven't, it was her first year homeschooling. And she's like, I just feel like I haven't done much. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I don't think anybody has. We're just surviving still building connections. (laughs) Holding down the fort this year. Totally. We are teaching our children flexibility. That is the lesson of the year. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So I'd love to hear, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, uh, we know, I know your name is Aaron. I know that you're a homeschool mom. I know that, uh, you have three daughters. I'd love to hear about that. And that also your, um, you and your husband have planted, uh, the village church back in 2010 and that has grown substantially. So you have a lot of roles that you fill. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit, a little bit about your everyday life or the different roles you play. Yeah, so I'm Erin Clark, and I'm married to Mark Clark. We planted Village, uh, yep, 10 years ago, and um, never expected, (laughs) we never know what God has in store, and um, we just held on for (laughs) for dear life for many years. Uh, It was during those early years, I had babies and toddlers in their house, and um. And as church planters do, you jump in any role. I was early childhood educator. And so naturally, I started the kids ministry and realized quickly that it was a lot. It was too much for my husband to be the teaching visionary pastor of the church while I'm trying to run a whole program in the church with babies. And so we went through a lot of challenges in those years with figuring out how to balance life. And so we've got three girls. Sienna is just about 15. Hayden is 12 and Isabella is 10. And um, we just, yeah, I just adore them. We have so much fun together. And I think part of it, we live away from home. Our families are all in Toronto. And then during those early years of church planting, they became just, we just built this like tight knit um, group with one another. Me and the girls, Mark was super busy in those, those years. And uh, we just bonded in a really, really special way. And I think part of that is circumstantial of, <laughs> we didn't have all these surrounding things right. and then the stress. Um, so it really, it started off being very intentional just because <laughs> we had to be. Um, so yeah, I, I just adore, adore being a mom of those girls. They're awesome. That's amazing. Can you, can you like, I love hearing parents like give us a little like snapshot of each of their kids. Could you tell me, mm-hmm. you know, just like two sentences about each of them? I don't know if that's yeah. too reductionist. No, no, that's good. Sienna, uh, my 15 year old, she is really into music. Uh, when she was four, she heard an Adele song. And then sat at the piano and played it. <laughs> I was like, what? what's happening? And she taught herself to play piano Wonderful. and has taught herself to play every instrument. And 
writes music and just uses um, writing as her communication with God. And it's really grown her in her faith, which is really beautiful to see. She spends majority of her days. Um, and that's a blessing of homeschooling is we have the freedom of right now she is by herself she's recording editing um, producing her Come next on. album that's coming out and so that's really exciting um she's yeah just kind and loves loves life <laughs> like loves adventure always wants to be with people um then I have Hayden who's 12 and she likes um she um, revives herself on alone time so sure. she'll have to go to her room and just sit and she'll journal um, she has just the she has the kindest heart mm. I think the soft heart of anybody that I know and um, and just feels things deeply <laughs> can observe her surroundings and and feel that and she uh, she loves horses and anything to do with cooking and baking so she's big on meal planning <laughs> and, all right and she'll go out and get the ingredients and then cook meals and stuff so she just has a very nurturing heart yeah um and then Isabella who's 10 she loves all things crafting just is always at our kitchen table doing something and I saw on Instagram, you guys are working on a big dollhouse. Is that, is that her part of her oh. dream? Oh yeah. That's Hayden and Isabella. Yeah. They renoed the dollhouse and it's so fun. Anything they can do. We spend a fortune on arts and crafts supplies, um, but it's great because it occupies so much of their time and uses so many skills within their mind. Totally. Even doing the dollhouse, they have to figure out spacing and how is this going to work? And totally. So yeah, I hope you're getting homeschool spicy. credit because that would be like perimeter and area, oh, you know. Almost definitely. That's actually how we mostly homeschool is we do the basics, of course, but most of it is more these life, life skill, fun projects. Kind of way. Yeah, very hands on. So yeah, so they're all funky, fun, fun girls who just love They'll always choose people um, above mm. being alone and um, yeah, have a heart for God, even at this age and love each other, which I think is beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah. They have good friendship with each other. That's so which fun. Which doesn't mean they don't fight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's par for the course. <laughs> that's so true. Oh man. Now, did you always, did you always picture yourself as a homeschooling, a homeschooling mom? I always pictured myself as a mom. I always pictured myself as uh, like a stay-at-home mom. Um, even from like a young child, I would make these books of what I would look like, what my husband would look like, what my kids would look like. Um, so I always had these ideals. And then um, when I had Sienna, as she started progressing to that age, it just didn't feel right. There was something just within me that just felt like I wanted to keep her home, but I wasn't sure. And so I battled. She went to school for two years for kindergarten and grade one. And I was just constantly having these inner battles with myself of like, I'm so thankful. Like we have the opportunity to send our kids to schools here. Like many yeah. kids in the world don't have these opportunities. And 
uh, it just didn't feel like a normalized thing even then 15 years ago, or I guess it would be 11 years ago. And, um, and you'd get pushback from people when I'd question it It'd be like, no, no, this is the way I didn't know anybody else that homeschooled at that time. And so I took control of schooling where I just tried to find the school that I felt she would best fit within. And then she started school and just every day would just be like, I, I don't want to go to school. I just want to be at home. Mm-hmm. And I didn't quite get it because she's, she's very academic. She loves learning, loves people. And yet there was this angst even within her. And I'd be like, no, no, this is, this is the best thing. This is what we do. Right. And at that time, she was developing um, ticks. My husband has Tourette's. Mm. And she started developing ticks. And in the daytime at school, she was able to conceal them, hold them in. Because with Tourette's, it's basically like this feeling within you that you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. And it doesn't stop telling you, you have to do um, this movement or this sound until you do it. And then you get this release and then it starts telling you again, you have to do that. Yeah. yeah. And she would hold this in all day at school. So her mm-hmm. teachers didn't know it was happening and she'd get into the car at the end of the day and her ticks would just go crazy. Her eyes would start rolling. And by the time we were home, this was at like five, six, seven years old, she would have to just lay in her room in a dark room and she'd have migraines from it. Wow. And I just kept pushing, going, no, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to school. Right. Um, I just didn't feel equipped, even though I had my early childhood education, I just didn't feel like I had the ability. Church was crazy. And part of that was we were so busy with life, with church. Every day of the week, we'd have a new family in our house. Right. Um, we were building a church. And then I'd send her off to school. And it was halfway through grade one. I stood at her window And I just stared in the window in the classroom and I saw her just trying to hold back these ticks. And she came out and we had sought counsel. We had gone to the principal, all of that stuff. And I, I got her in the car and she just started weeping and I was dry. I still cry when I think of it. We were driving. Yeah. And I pulled over to the side of the road and I just crawled back in. And she kept saying, please don't send me back. Please don't send me back. And she was in a safe place. Like I didn't understand it. It wasn't like she was in danger. And I just held her in that moment. I just looked at her and I said, you don't have to go back. I'll figure this out. We're, we're going to homeschool you. And it was my husband that was actually always very much against homeschooling. Um, He did. He grew up with no concept of it. Thought they were just weird kids, but. And that was actually like the kids that I knew that were homeschooled growing up. They were also the kids that had such intense boundaries where like they wouldn't consider me a Christian because I listened to like newsboys or or whatnot (laughs) because it wasn't the right. So we were in that kind of circle where that was the homeschool kids. And so I remember getting home and I called Mark and I was like, oh, (laughs) I just made a promise. (laughs) Totally. And he knew because he's in our life, he's seeing this process and he didn't question it. He just said, Aaron, I trust you. You know what she needs. And we, we didn't look back and it's been 
an incredible journey. The girls went back one one year. Sienna was older and she said, I just feel like I, I just want to try it again. And I was like, okay. So we switched schools and we tried it. And we just realized overall, we needed to homeschool to have stability in our life, to have mm-hmm. something that my kids knew they could count on. It's right. the busyness of church planting. Yeah. Um, and her ticks had started up again once she was back in school. And I can say like, with them not in school, she has no ticks. Like no one would know. She doesn't have residue. It's only if we get super busy, super tired, mm-hmm. that's when they'll start up. And so the long, <laughs> that was a long drawn out version, but it was, no, uh, it. it was a journey to get to this point. Yeah. And now all of us, we know without a doubt that this is what we are to do. And um, we just love it. We just love the freedom that we have, the community, even within our home. My husband felt the difference. Like when he comes home at the end of the day, my kids are getting older now, of course, but he'll come home and candles will be lit and just peaceful music is playing instead of the harried running around trying to figure out, okay, we got to get him to bed for the next day. So he felt that peace as well. It just brought a peace to our home. That's amazing. That's really beautiful. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, you have a household of girls and then I have a household of boys. And so then I'm, I'm like, hmm, all those feelings. I don't have the same, always the same feelings. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our homeschool life, our home life would be a lot quieter, a lot different for sure. But that's okay because I think that the benefits that we've found from homeschooling are still there, even if it oh. doesn't always look like candles and classical music, right? Like, or um, we have artists in our family, but we don't have, I don't have the crafter. I have a little <laughs> bit of journaling, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. My boys are like, they're, they spend a lot of their time doing backflips on the trampoline and, you know, sword fighting yeah. in the front yard. Sword fighting. Yeah. You know, yeah, love it. <laughs> uh, but still the benefits are there. We, you know, oh. um, and uh, I'm so grateful. I was even saying to some of my boys, two of my older ones actually this year, um, have we've enrolled in this um, the school that's connected with our church and that's been a really great fit for them first experience uh yeah we just were feeling like we need to make a change so we did the younger three the baby isn't really in school years yet so (laughs) who are in school years um we were just talking this morning about how um like something I always say to them is like what do you notice what do you notice and I said if you not to slam any, you know, any school system. I think that the school and the teachers are doing a phenomenal job, but I said, the teacher doesn't have the time to say to 20 students, what did you notice out of this? What did you notice? What did you notice? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I just told my boys, like, you guys have be, you guys have been become skilled in noticing because I keep saying when we go outside, what do you notice when we read the Bible, when we read this book, what did you notice? Mm -hmm. And so it's a way, yeah, I was just celebrating that they're noticers. So Absolutely. That's what I, I try to create as well through it is critical thinkers. I want my kids to see everything as education. Yes. When they're walking down the street, it's like, wow, I've never seen that. I should look this up. I should figure out more about this. And I think that's a beautiful way to see education because I believe in lifelong learners. We don't just Absolutely. stop when you finish grade 12. It's like, no, no, we're supposed to be learning our whole lives and exploring. And so when you create those where they ask the question, yes, it, it is creating lifelong learners within them. 
That's so beautiful. I love that. Now, so I love that you shared about homeschooling. I think that's so good. I want to ask you maybe just even, well, I guess there's a lot of women who would relate to this homeschooling reality now this year. It's like suddenly <laughs> people were probably knocking on your door and, and I know they oh, were yeah. sending me messages <laughs> of like, oh man, what do I do? And I just mm-hmm. sending, trying to send that message of like, don't panic. We're trying to create lifelong learners. It's about curiosity, you know. That's right. um, so I'm sure a lot of people relate with the homeschooling conversation, but now also I would love to hear your, um, some of your journey as a mother, you know, and, um, this, you know, right now we're, with, uh, the union, we're trying to zone in a little bit and give some focus on the significance of the role that mothers and fathers play. You know, it's like, oh, the union, you guys talk about sex a lot. It's like, well, no, it's like, <laughs> we actually try to say sexuality. Cause we're trying to broaden beyond. It's not just about like a physical act. This is mm-hmm. about our identity as sons and daughters, the way all these roles of within family and society are integrated. Um, so we want to talk about, you know, mothers and fathers. And so for you as a mother, um, what have been, maybe what have been some of your greatest challenges, internal challenges, you know, there's mm-hmm. the external pressures, but what about the internal, like the shaping of you? What have been, what have been some of your challenges? I think that the internal challenges change throughout the years as your kids evolve, um, as your needs evolve. Um, I think for me, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And I think a big challenge is feeling confident that the calling that I have in my home is enough. Um, Because we're bombarded by these thoughts that you can have it all. You can, you know, have a career. You can parent well. You can homeschool. And you actually, you do have to make sacrifices in one side or another. And I know in my heart that God has a calling on my life to teach my kids, to be the full-time caregiver for my kids. I'm not saying that that is what God's calling is on your life, but that is what God called me to. So I've always had to constantly come back to like my personal vision statement for what God has called me to. Beautiful. And that's a good reminder to be like, oh no, has the vision changed? No, that hasn't changed. So, okay. So my calling remains Mm -hmm. the same. And so I think the feeling of, I think in motherhood, I think that this one is across the board probably, but am I enough? Mm -hmm. Am I doing enough? And I've had to really, in the last couple of years, just really pray into, I'm doing what you've called me to do, God. But at the end of the day, I can only do, as long as I know that I'm walking alongside my kids, that I'm pointing them into relationship with God, that I'm teaching them these skills that he wants me to teach. At the end of the day, they are going to be adults that make their own life decisions, that make their own decisions, whether they're going to even follow God and be in relationship with God. And so I do think that that goes back to even the critical thinking of kids of even now we have these big life conversations because I don't want them to all of a sudden be 18 going, wait a second, you, we never had these conversations about God in this way where I was able to be critical and ask pushback. Right. right. And so I pray a lot into just like 
God, please like give me grace for myself to know that each day my calling is to be intentional with my kids, to point them towards you. But at the end of the day, it's God and them that matter. And so I'm even preparing myself for that future of, I want my kids to grow up. I want them to follow God and make wise choices, but they're still humans with their own um, needs to make their own risks. And so I think that that's Mm -hmm. an inner struggle that we feel. And I think it could either paralyze us or propel us forward to okay, no, today's a new day. Yesterday, yesterday, I'm not sure if yeah. that was going to work, but today's a new day and I'm going to move forward in this. That's beautiful. I love what you said there. It can either, it can paralyze us or it can propel us. I think as women, we can, I think a common thing I see in women is this like a desire to control often for the betterment of the people around Absolutely. us. Like we're like, I'm just trying to help. I'm going to control mm-hmm. things so that things get better, you know? Totally. It's that snowplow parenting too that has become so common where it's not even just the helicopter where you're watching over them. It's I want to prepare the way ahead so that my kids don't have struggles. They don't have to experience. But when we even think of our own life, right. my growth is because of hardship in my life. If yeah. I didn't experience this, then I wouldn't have transformed this connection yeah. with God, this transformation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really important that um, we do our part, but then we do allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do his as well. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I remember feeling years ago, actually, and I don't know if maybe this will be helpful to a mom listening um, mm-hmm. years ago, feeling a lot of like tension within myself um, in my role as a mother. And I realized that I was, in some ways, like trying to keep, like I was afraid of the future. And so I was almost Mm -hmm. trying to keep thinking I could do a better job of protecting them than God could. (laughs) Yeah. Not even in a physical way. Like, I think I'm pretty open to like, yeah, it's okay if you get hurt, but in the, in the spiritual or emotional way, I was trying to just keep, keep control, you know? And I felt the Lord say to me, like, Bonnie, the safest place for your children is in my hands. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like, just like a prayer of surrender, like, okay, I'm going to choose this. I mean, I've been walking with the Lord for a very long time, but I still had to like, I, and I still have to say that today, you know, the safest place for my children is in your hands, Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that internal struggle of wanting the best for them, but knowing that like our frailty is like my humanity. I I'm not the best for them. The Lord is the best for them, you know? So Mm-hmm. Amazing. You kind of touched in there at, um, when you're talking about being an Enneagram eight and mm-hmm. this, you know, this desire for life and life for the full. And, you know, like the, I know your personality that you'd be able to take on any challenge. Um, and so, you know, in our culture, there can be a lot of messaging that just says that, that being that stay at home mom is, mm-hmm. can be a waste of your time a waste of your gifting, a waste of your skill, maybe even of your training, your education. Um, So what, maybe there's a single young woman or maybe a young mom, like what, what have you learned around that kind of cultural messaging? Mm -hmm. That definitely is strong. It's strong um, throughout all the airwaves that we're getting the messages from that it's, 
it goes against the the whole culture that has been consistently being created, which is so sad. And that's what we we tend to do as a culture. It's a pendulum. It's okay, right. it's too far this way, so we're going to push it this way. And then it's too far this way, so we're going to push it back this way. And um, I really believe that when we think of motherhood as a calling, that it changes our perspective. That and not everybody is called to be a stay-at-home mom. Not everybody is called to be a homeschooling mom. Right. But I do think we need to be more open-handed towards God calling you to do that. And so I even tell like young couples as they're preparing to get married, as they're preparing for their future, I'm like, plan now. If you have that, even an inkling in your heart that you would like to be a stay-at-home mom, and that's the calling on your life. Plan for it now. Don't wait until you're already accustomed to two incomes and you've your house broke and that. Plan for yeah, it now. Yeah. Like you are going to make sacrifices by choosing to do this. Um, but for me, I just really believe that the sacrifices um, they outweigh <laughs> like the negative, the positives are better than the negative. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that there's hard days where you're, where you regret or, or you have these feelings of like, am I enough? Right. And that's humbling too, where you have to humble yourself before God and be like, oh no. Okay. I'm actually supposed to live a quiet life within my home. That's what you've called me to do. And I need to be okay with that. This is my mission. This Mm -hmm. is my ministry. And by doing this, by making this my choice, there's been sacrifices I've made. I've had to say no to many opportunities Mm. that would have pulled me away. But now what's cool is God redeems these these things in our life. Even now as my kids are getting older, I'm still very present, very here, but I can say yes the different opportunities that I couldn't when they were young. And God knows your heart. He knows the innermost desires of your heart. And I believe that if they're in accordance with his will, that he wants to see you um, find joy within those, but it might not be the today. It might be the tomorrow's ahead. And so um, I'm really big on having a vision statement almost for your home for your personal life of um and then I have a friend Julie um Richard um who's great on parenting um info and she has this statement and I use it all the time personally with my family and this may this may stick with you now it's um the chatter doesn't matter the vision makes the decision and so if you have a vision okay, I believe God's called me to do this, to be a stay-at-home mom, to homeschool my kids, to, um, to take the help, let my husband be the head of our home. If those are your vision statements, then the chatter around you doesn't That's matter. Beautiful. Yeah. And so I can keep funneling myself in, and this is a daily thing. It's not like one and done and you're like, okay, I am good with this. No, it's a constant humbling before the Lord going, okay, has the vision changed? Like I said earlier, nope, the vision hasn't changed. Okay, then give me 
please give me the peace within me to yeah, right. have this be enough when all I'm doing all day is changing diapers and right. don't talk to another person. Um, and so I really believe that if you have just even an inkling in your heart, just go with it, follow that gut. And there's going to be hard days, but God is going to honor you mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, man. I just think like it is, there's like a breaking that comes in that monotony and not, yes. it's a breaking that so much of society just wants to resist. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. just go get, you know, just go follow your dreams. Just go get what's coming to you, you know, like just fight for your rights. And totally. I think that m- like mothering and fathering is this, it's just this calling to brokenness. It's a calling to sacrifice, mm-hmm. which then I think that's like Jesus, like, Mm-hmm. No, this is like, he's great. He's awesome. But he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And he humbled himself and served those who were not like, you know, sometimes our children, it's like, you're not even grateful. You're, you know, you're still, you're still dealing with that thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna empty myself and try mm-hmm. to serve um, and, and raise them up the way Jesus raised us up, you know, and so that's right. I think yeah, it's- and it's hard. It's humbling when they see, like I struggled throughout the years when we were starting Village. <clears throat> I was doing all of this stuff and then realizing, okay, no, I actually have to pull back. I can't run these ministries anymore. Right. Um, my child needs me at this stage. And, um, and then watching my husband flourish within this area that I was so happy. I was so thankful that God was using him, but there was times and there was seasons where jealousy comes in too. And it could be your spouse that you're jealous of. It could be friends. Mm, Um, Yeah. But that was what God called me to. And I struggled too. There was this like twofold spot where there was almost an expectation from some people too of like, they felt like I was minimizing myself almost within the church mm. because I wasn't taking that forward role where it was like, yeah, you know what? God didn't call me. I'm fine with God calling you. If that's your calling, God didn't call me to be pastor. He didn't call me toward being in full-time formal ministry. Yeah, I see. He called me to be a helper to my husband within this. And I've taken that calling and there's moments where, yeah, he, he gets all of the, the praise and it's like, oh no, wait, okay, wait. Cause he's mm. pushing that praise off of him and back onto you, God, but I would have taken it for myself. And so there's also that humbling where God knows where we can handle stuff wow, emotionally so and spiritually. And I wouldn't have been the person for it. Cause I probably would have taken the praise where my husband, he sees his preaching and how it's reaching people. And he just is like, God is doing good work. God is like, he never takes that upon himself. He has this humbleness about him. And I believe that God, that's why God chose to use his teachings for such a time as this. That's so good. And I think that's not something people talk about often is the jealousy Mm -hmm. that women can feel of, you know, when you're filling one role, either as a mother or, um, stay at home or, you know, you're choosing to follow God's call in your life, but then there can be that jealousy that rises up. Even a a jealousy, like you said, it could be of your spouse 
or it could be of other women who are following a different call and you mm-hmm. look over and you say, that looks, that looks better. And then, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they might be looking over, you know, and, and saying it. the same thing of us, like, oh, I wish I could do that. So then in that way, you're right. We really do have to follow the race, the course that's set before us. Yeah. You know, yes. That's, that's so good. Definitely. And so you, you mentioned that, you know, you're, as your daughters are getting older, then you're able to say yes to some things. And I, yeah, that's mm-hmm. very cool. I know you recently started a podcast and so you're, um, you know, sharing, um, you know, through, through the audio waves, um, how do you mm-hmm. still balance, you know, you have other types of influence. How do you balance home and your kids? Mm-hmm. Like how I'm sure there's a lot of women who would be asking that question. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, everything, like I had said, comes with sacrifice. And for me, I have, um, I'm an aid. I'm focused. I have a lot of energy, but it can only go so far for me. Mm-hmm. And so I can do a lot at once, but then I can't do much at all. And so I, I recognize that about myself and I realize that, okay, I can't spread myself too thin. Even at this stage with my girls, I can't say yes to too many things because it will have collateral damage, collateral, it affects the other areas in my life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I still have to minimize my extras um, so that I can focus on because it's not just the parenting of the girls it's the homeschooling stuff as well and that can easily be be shelved when you're in a busy season right and um so that's like an an extra amount of pressure that's on and so for me it's feeling confident like I just met with a woman um last week and she was talking about how she was so thankful to spend time with me and and she was um putting almost a little bit too much pressure where I, I had to say like, Oh no, no, I will let you down every time. Like I'm not the person that you want to put all your eggs in one basket because I won't text you back. Like I love you. Right. I I have a hard time with that sort of communication because my kids, my family, my husband, they do come first. Mm -hmm. And my friends, if I'm feeling stressed, it's not my kids that will be affected so much I'll be able to pour into them but it's like I I can't call my friend or I can't return their messages and so I'm not I don't balance that well but for me um my family is always my priority and that's been a growth over years of figuring out okay this has to be first and then I can take on these extra things And so the balance is in the everyday. It's knowing, okay, I know this week we have Tuesday is going to be really busy. Mm -hmm. Um, So what day are we going to pour in? So it's all about the balance of not every day is, is a serene, uh, idyllic day where you're sitting around by candlelight reading poetry together. Some days you're running from appointment to appointment and you feel frazzled. That's, that's life. So how do we work within that? And so for me, it's just each day at a time. And for me, the importance of the balancing my family has come with being intentional with my morning time. Mm. So I wake up each morning before everybody's up, which gets easier as the kids get older too, because I have to finally wake them up. 
Uh, my kids could sleep all day if I let them. And uh, I wake up before everybody's up and I just have my quiet time with the Lord. And that looks like journaling or just like reading scripture, listening to scripture on my dwell app, listening to worship music. And then um, like I'll go on the exercise bike. And that for me just focuses my day in me grounding. If I miss that time with the Lord, I'm not working out of like a well that's flowing that has is filled. It's my kids are dealing with the excess of the leftovers. And so that's been super important for me to find the balance. Man, I love that. That's super um, encouraging and convicting, you know, Mm -hmm. I think for us to make sure that we keep our priorities and bring alignment. And it sounds like, I think that early morning challenge, you know, before the kids wake up, um, yeah, to be able to, to focus in on what we're called to that day and Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's going to be key for some, for people listening. Um, Just maybe as a final talking point here, um, as a mother of three daughters and you, I know you and your husband, you know, he's involved as well. What, like you're, you're being so intentional to invest into them and the development of who they are. And it sounds like they're growing to be like, like unique within their own skills and giftings, but sounds like just growth in their like confidence of who they are, how, um, how are you supporting them and strengthening them when it comes to, you know, these areas of like kind of an overly sexual culture, mm-hmm. you know, this, mm-hmm. um, hyper-sexualized imagery around us and pressure on men. But I would say there's a, an extra dose of pressure on young women and how, you know, maybe, what are some conversations that you've had with them or what are some practices that you have within your home um, that you're being, being able to strengthen them to prepare for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, I like that you mentioned the intentional because we can choose to um, parent our kids in whatever way, but unless we're intentional, um, like we could spend as much time next to somebody, but you still might not know them if you're not talking to them and having this communication and so I think that that's huge in embracing these future conversations that happen is from a young age actually be intentional with your kids in both the fun and in like the important conversations I think that those so importantly go hand in hand with each other Um, My kids, I don't believe that they're going to be open to these big conversations about anything. How do I speak into their life if we don't have like a currency together? Mm. And so I always say like, be friends with your kids and people push back on that. And I don't mean without the parenting, like I have hard conversations with my kids. I discipline my kids. Right. But that friendship I find is just so important where you're doing things together that you both enjoy or they mm. enjoy and building that helps to have these really important conversations, especially as they're aging. I really believe that it's not just a one-time conversation to talk about to any of our kids yeah. about sex, about how God sees them because 
we're living in a world where the world standards and the world's ideals of culture is like surround sound in their face. It's billboards. It's coming at them. So how do we change that? Because they're seeing it. It's there. It's happening. So we can't just put aside these conversations and be like, I just don't want to have the awkward conversations. I don't want to like bring up stuff if they're not thinking about it. It's like, no, no, it's here. It's here. We can't avoid it. We can't run away from it, but we can enter into it. And so this starts for me at young age of talking about even I want my kids to be, I don't want to just say like, okay, this world's overly sexualized, put on your clothes. I want my kids to be like confident within their body. I want them to be able to appreciate their bodies, not shy away from them. God made them beautiful. And so these are conversations before they hit puberty that we need to be starting to pour into them um, at such a young age. Like you talk about body parts as they are for what they're worth. Um, In our home, because we've always been very open with our bodies. It's not that we're all just walking around naked all the time, but we talk about things openly about how our bodies will change, how this happens within. Beautiful. And even from a young age, like we're, we're fine with bikinis in our home. Everybody has different standards, but from, I never did like the triangle bathing suits. We always still had conservative bikinis. So they still, that's the bathing. Those are the bathing suits that are mostly in, but they're, respectful because and I think that this is key is I didn't want my kids all of a sudden to hit puberty to get breasts and all of a sudden it's like oh you can't wear that anymore Mm -hmm. and they start thinking is something wrong with me I've always worn this and so we've always just had these standards of oh no this is like be confident within you, but this is your, this is your space <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then creating a space again, where they feel confident, but they know that their beauty isn't coming from the flaunting. And this is the struggle because once they reach a certain age, like you can't keep them from Instagram. You can't just keep them, but we need to train them up. So yeah. these voices are going to get louder. Um, so we always just talk openly about these conversations and what God wants from us, what his expectations are, but it's not just because he's a God that doesn't want us to keep, keep us from things. And he just sets rules. We always connect conversations with, okay, God's expectations for sex, for money, whatever it might be, is this for our good. Right. Because he loves us because he wants the best for us. So he puts these parameters on us to protect us, Mm -hmm. to protect our hearts. So I really feel um, that conversations, natural conversations, I never just all of a sudden be like, okay, girls, it's time to sit down. And I want to talk to you about what God sees beauty in your body or Right. You know, this world is overly sexualized and we need to talk about it. 
we do it in natural conversations. Mm-hmm. I really feel, and that comes with the connecting with your kids intentionally. When you do life with your kids, if you're going on hikes or we don't hike, I don't know why I threw out hiking. <laughs> we Some watch people a lot do. of movies, actually. In our house, it's movies. We watch a lot of movies together. And from those, we have incredible conversations because you're able to see things in the moment. You're able to be like, wow, why do you think that person made that choice? Mm -hmm. And we're able to talk about self-worth. And so I really believe that as we make sure our kids understand that they are beloved, like feed these into them that like we shied away for so long. It's so big on like, don't say your child's beautiful. Make sure you say they're smart. Make sure you Mm -hmm. say it's all the same really, because wherever they find their value and it's smart just because you say there's they might take that and that's their worth like we pulled away from telling our kids they're beautiful Mm. because we don't want their worth to be found in that right but we do the same we still put these labels on them right and I think it's really important especially for girls that they know that their parents find them beloved that they respect them that they think they're beautiful both inside and out it's not just an external beauty but I don't want my girls only to hear from boys that they're beautiful I want them to know within them that like oh no like I don't need to find my worth in you because my parents tell me this like it's not a new thought totally they they see my heart and they see it through the filter of Christ Mm. And so I'm, again, this grace, this grace comes in so much of knowing that our kids will be tempted. Right. Jesus himself was tempted. Right. So we don't want to just tell our kids this, stay away from this, be this, do this, do that, because it almost will put them in a position where they won't know what to, they'll automatically feel like just by being tempted by the world standards that they've done something wrong and we've all had to go through moments I remember I was probably 17 and I was modeling and I got invited to an audition and I was a solid Christian girl who loved the Lord who was modest and I got invited to this audition and my parents just showed me such a pure way of letting me experience with being there to catch me Hmm. and they told you to dress a certain way and my parents were like would you really like want to go to this if you're dressing that way like are you gonna want this I'm like yeah 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 this is what I gotta do and so usually I would just drive myself and my dad said I'm gonna drive you to this one then if you want to do this I was old enough I was probably close to 18 at the time even and so my dad drove me and I went off in my short, <laughs> short little mini skirt and probably too low of a shirt. And I went up and he said, just take a look at these books first, just to make sure you're comfortable. And I opened it and it was full pornography. It oh. was chains and all of this stuff, like vulgar stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, no, 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 I don't want this. And I ran out of there. And I ran back to a car where my father was waiting for me. And I should have been just utterly like, I, 
I should have not wanted to go back to that car, but I knew it was a safe place. And I went back and I told him what it was. And I confessed like, oh my goodness, like you were right. You were trying to protect me in this, but yet he allowed me because we can't protect them from actually all experiences, but we can be there to guide them. So then I had the discernment right when I went in, I, I knew in my gut, nope, this is wrong. And yeah. it taught me in that moment, like my father here on earth, that's how what God does. That's how like our heavenly father is. He's right. there to, to catch us and show us grace. And in his mercy, he allows us to be saved from from within ourselves and Mm. in that moment I just found that powerful where I stick to that sometimes where I think oh no as my girls get older like they're going to become adults and so even at a young age we can't just teach them not to do stuff we need to teach them discernment those feelings that come within and what do we do with that And so no matter what they face in life, we want them to be able to, again, starts with what you're doing with your kids with, with their education of this critical thinking Mm -hmm. of like, okay, so I see it this way. Now, what does God see it? How is this fit within Mm -hmm. the constructs of who I am? And um, I think that that goes, goes a long way. That's so beautiful. So then all those little moments, I love the way you tied that back into the earlier part of our conversation. Cause I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wait, that's the being able to notice being able to be critical thinkers. And if we will walk with them intentionally as mothers and fathers, um, obviously, you know, there's so much life coming at us. Like you said, there's days that are just running from appointment to appointment, but Mm -hmm. the best we can, we're intentional and, and show like, guiding them in the world that they live in and the world that we live in is a reality. There's a surround sound of pressure of temptation. Um, we, yeah, I love that being that safe car, the way your dad was being that safe car to come back to where, you know, you're not going to be shamed for, Mm -hmm. uh, but rather that you can, you can say, I, you were right. And, uh, I want, I want what you want essentially, you know? And so how beautiful, Man, Aaron, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. I feel like this conversation was a wealth, a library of points that people can come back to. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited to share this um, with listeners. For those who want to um, stay in touch with you and hear other things that you share on your own podcast, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful with Erin Clark. Um, on Instagram, erin.e.clark uh, is my handle there. And um, yeah, my podcast is very much The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful. It's just sharing life. Um, I think that it's really important that we open up and share both the joys of our life, the struggles, um, not just the the highs and the lows, but also the in-between because that's where most of us are on most given days. We're in the Mm in-between. And so I really try to live out of that and be just authentic through it. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so thankful to have this conversation with you. I wish you guys could see Bonnie on here. She has the most beautiful big smile and yeah, it's so lovely. 
Well, thank Thank you. you. You've been very genuine and authentic. And I think that's, we need more of that from, from the women in our lives. So appreciate that so much. And uh, we'll we'll link your, um, your Instagram and your podcast in our show notes for anyone who wants to find that. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the union podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.